The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live! From MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Yes, it is Thursday. And once again, we are back with another live program on the MMA Fighting family of networks, YouTube, the podcast network, etc., we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're not going to have a competition per se. Are we going to talk about UFC 296 and the fallout of Leon Edwards's successful title defense against Colby Covington? Yes, very briefly. And then we're going to preview the upcoming MMA fighting 2023 year end awards. We're going to be open books here, at least three of us anyways, and preview how these awards may go come next week when they start popping up. But I'll do this alone. Joining me this week, the co-host, the co-matchmaker of On to the Next One. He's the Prince of Positivity, and he's my best friend. And I, I believe he has some takes as well, Mr. Alexander K. Lee. AK, welcome back to the program. Oh, hi. Not a lot of pressure today. It's me. I can't add to the I can't add to the win or loss record today? No, you cannot. That's good. That's. I mean, it's not good because I was going to add to the... There, well, we don't need to show people. I don't know why we're even bringing that up. Why do we need to show people? Um, but yeah, end of 2023, <laughs> let's uh, just get that. No. <laughs> um, it's like a boomerang. <laughs> end of, I pushed it too hard. I forgot. Uh, end of 2023, it's time to take stock of our lives, take stock of MMA, which really is our lives when you think about it. And I'm mostly excited about having to explain some of my uh, my year-end selections. Yes, and doing double duty this week, Jed on vacation, so we're tagging in the baddest stash in MMA, producer extraordinaire, 
Mr. E. Casey Lydon. Casey, welcome to the panel. I hurt, I hurt my neck. All right. All right, I'm good. I'm good. Ooh, God, I'm, uh, I'm not used to oh this. This is too much camera for me. We're off to a great start. We're off right, to a great right. start. I'm, I'm very nervous. It's AK Lee. You see his record? Those are like <laughs> lots of big. It's like it was, it was impressive. I mean, well, I mean, look, it's not a competition. It's, it's, it's hard week. to lose that many times. No, no yeah, one's lost that many times. Don't fear the man who's 10 and 0. Fear the man who loses 20 times and comes back for more. That's the guy you want to be afraid of. <laughs> That's yes, and don't call right. don't call AK the least intimidating person in BTL history oh. or easy work. And we're going to get into that right now because look, UFC 296 is over. We were super duper excited with, with with how the event looked on paper. There were some great moments, no doubt about it. I feel like the UFC's year kind of ended in a whimper and it's getting progressively worse. And we'll talk about that right now because Leon Edwards Defeats Colby Covington, 49-46 across the board. This is not a really competitive fight. And let's be honest, it wasn't really a fun fight to go back and watch. I actually went back and watched it a second time. It's worse wow. the second time around. I did. What a, what a fan. I did. <laughs> you know, you, you got shows. You got to give takes. You got to give thoughts. You want to make sure everything's lined up. I'm watching it during the watch party, so it gets a little crazy. And all the talk coming out of this event has to do with this fight. And the aftermath of it, first of all, when it comes to Leon Edwards and being the welterweight champion, who he's going to fight next, it appears Bilal Muhammad should be the guy. We do have Shafkat Rachmanov, who submitted Wonderboy Thompson, but he has an ankle injury. So all these dominoes continue to fall in Bilal Muhammad's favor. But even then, Dana White was not saying Bilal's name at the press conference. Oh, we got to go into the to the war room and figure this all out. Leon completely no-selling Bilal. Bilal doing his best to get Leon's attention. Leon barking back with some, Bilal, you're not very good at fighting. You're the worst on the roster, and it's easy work. And just just bad all around, AK. Uh, you, you had warned me earlier, you have some takes. You have some things to say. How would you grade Leon Edwards post victory over Colby Covington from the press conference, which by the way, I've said a million times, I understand why he no sold Bilal in that moment, but then everything that's happened the last four or five days, how do you grade Leon Edwards post UFC 296? Post UFC 296? After the performance, just at, not counting the win, just after you everything after? Count the win too, if you want, whatever oh you want to gosh. say. I, <laughs> so let me, let me clarify for people. Obviously, I think Colby was like one of the biggest losers of UFC 296. That's no question. He's not getting a title shot again. He embarrassed himself with his his shtick, just you know, completely falling flat at this point. Um, but I'm kind of like I live my life kind of like ignoring Colby. I, I I you know we have to write about him sometimes. It's fine. We talk about him a lot. If anyone listened to the rankings podcast this week, I think it was like an hour of like Colby coming to talk. The guy, the guy is controversial. That's the whole point. So he's he, he certainly merits discussion uh but generally i'm like i try not to be as bothered by him anymore so i didn't like relish uh, you know him failing as much it's just i i want to focus more on leon winning which i think is what made it so disappointing to me that leon has handled uh all this post-fight stuff so in such a dull dreary anti-promotional way <clears throat> excuse me guys sorry and I don't mean I don't care about him promoting for the UFC. That's fine. That that shouldn't matter. As a fan, you shouldn't care about. It. You shouldn't matter whether oh you, Leon's not trying to sell pay per views. He's it's bad for business. If you're a fan, you shouldn't care about that. It has nothing to do with you. The UFC doesn't make you money anyway. 
But as far as like, but he needs to promote himself and his own legacy. And he's doing a really bad job of getting people to be interested in him and in, in Leon Edwards, the fighter, whether it's about selling pay-per-views, making more money. And by the way, Leon, if you make yourself a little more compelling as a, as a champion, you probably will make more money, not as much as you deserve, but more. Um, and, and just not naming uh, who he thinks she should fight next, not calling anyone out, shooting down the obvious options that are there for him. It's just terrible to watch. It's bad television. It's bad sports entertainment. Um, if you're a fan of Leon, that's fine. Leon has the right to shit talk whoever he wants. Some people are saying he's just troll. I saw some replies to a comment made earlier today on social media. He's trolling. Like he's trolling Bilal Muhammad. He's trolling people. And my question would be, to, to what end? To what end is this trolling? Because he's bored? He's he just having a laugh? Okay, good. Good for you. You're having a laugh. That's, but I, I don't want to hear any talk in the future from Leon of like, oh, why does no one respect me? Why does no one talk about me more? Why? And I think we already had some of that kind of like, why, 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 why did I never get my shot? You know, why did it take me so long to get a title shot? And it's like, you are not presenting yourself or your opponents in a compelling way. This, this Bilal thing is, is the perfect example. It's just, you cannot, it's not trolling. Trolling is fine, but you cannot downplay an opponent this much, especially when you are very likely going to have to fight him because you are making the fight mean nothing. You are, make, you are potentially making your next title defense mean nothing. And that is so frustrating to watch. I know GSP is kind of singular when it comes to MMA history, but there are other fighters like him who they almost never, I don't think GSP ever did, downplay an opponent. So like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm just going to kill this guy. This guy doesn't belong to be in the, in the cage with me. I'm going to just crush him. Like, why would you do that when if you, if you win and you beat this person – you just made your win look like nothing. You beat uh, you beat uh, someone he called on Twitter the, the least intimidating man in, in the UFC. If you lose to him, you just lost to the least intimidating man. It makes no sense, guys. It makes no sense. It's really frustrating. He should have ended 2023 strong by laying out some sort of groundwork for his next plan. What's my next title defense going to be in London or in Manchester? But he did almost nothing of that. And his coach on the mayor didn't do a great job at either. The whole Gilbert Burst thing is nonsense. We don't need to get into that again. Um, so the grade has like no more than a C. I'll go C. He is the undisputed champion at, at 170 pounds, unless you ask Jed Mishu. Uh, so I'll go C, but I can't go higher. The post-fight talk has just been so dispiriting. And uh, as you, you can tell from my body language and my tone of voice, I, I hate even discussing it. <laughs> it's just not good. Casey, what, what have you made of this? Like, different strokes for different folks. I get it. Some people love the trash talk. Some don't, but you could still say Bilal, I would just kick you in the face and knock you out, but not say you're not good at fighting. Cause that's not good because like AK said, win or lose, you look kind of silly no matter how that fight plays out the way you're downplaying Bilal and his skills and the unbeaten streak he's currently on. So what have you made of Leon post UFC 296 and even with the performance, I mean, like, I, like I've said a million times, Colby handed him a win with the way he fought. Real quick, I think that, I mean, okay, and I, yeah, I'm disgusted by the way Colby promoted the fight and all that stuff, but the weird irony is Colby's horrible trash talk about his father actually became the most interesting part about Leon because to take away that from the fight, take away that kind of drama, the, you know, him, you know, having to emotionally kind of recover from what he said about his father and, and still fight a very smart fight was probably the most interesting part of the fight. Take that out of the equation. 
it is an extremely bad fight. Extremely bad fight. Even even the post talk with um uh Dave uh his coach Dave Lavelle talking about, you know, having to, you know, bring him back, you know, focus and everything. It was like that was all interesting. So like it's it's just weird how what the the horribleness that Kobe brought to it made Leon actually and I don't want to say interesting as a person because I know he's interesting as a person. He just doesn't doesn't show it, I guess. So now that Kobe's out of the equation and now it's just talking about his next fight um, being Bilal probably, now we're just back to like, it's just, I don't know, it's bad. Yeah, I mean, everything AK said, it's just bad. Nothing's interesting. Least intimidating. I was, it, okay, cool. He doesn't, I don't know. He doesn't, doesn't have enough. He doesn't have an eight pack. I don't know. We're... What, what what I just I don't get it. It's just nothing. It's it's, it's just doesn't mean anything. I don't know why he's doing this. It's just we're we're it's just kind of a waste of time. It's just I I, I feel like this is gonna be just a big waste of time to just let him fight and just move on with this welterweight division. Like we the whole thing about Kobe getting in there, the welterweight the welterweight division is gonna keep, keep moving again. Now I feel like somehow we're stalled again for no real good reason. <laughs> yeah, and it's so weird, right? Like. I get he's where the, Leon, he's the fight. He's the I, fight to make. He's the fight to make. Sell it. Go, go. You know what? Sell it. Yes. Sell it. I, I don't. But you, you, Leon, you're gonna have to train for this fight. You're gonna have to go in the gym. You're gonna have to work your butt off, make 170 pounds, promote the fight, and get in there and fight this man. I don't understand the end game right now for Leon in this type of talk. Yeah, and, and again, we can't stress that. We're not talking about him having to like do promotional work for the OC. Promote yourself, Leon. Promote yourself and your legacy. He's falling a little bit into the same trap of, of Tyron Woodley. And again, welterweight. Welterweight is such a great division. And it feels like <laughs> at the very top, we've had so few moments to like just cheer. Uh, Kamaru Usman's run was very good. I, just, I think Kamaru's run was great. Um, but Tyron Woodley, if you remember, he spent his whole run talking about fights with GSP and Nick Diaz. And then he ended up fighting uh, Wonderboy Thompson, two, uh, one really good fight, the other one stinker, whatever, not his fault. Damian Maia, forgettable fight, but fine. Two, he, he did fight the top two contenders. And then later he would complain, like, why did no one give me credit for having whatever, having this great title run? It's like, because you spent your whole time talking about other people other than the guys you beat. You should have been calling to fight Wonderboy the whole time. You should have been saying, I want to fight Damian Maia, the greatest grappler in welterweight history. Instead, he was always like, oh, I don't like, oh, if I have to fight these guys. And then later he complained about those those wins not being credited enough. And I'm like, well, and I, I don't want Leon to go down that path because Leon could have a really strong legacy at 170. He could if he plays his cards. He right. has a great story. Everything. Great fighter. Great fighter. And I have a, I also I still have an issue with champions calling out fighters. I get it. It works sometimes, mm. but mm. if you're not that guy, don't call anyone out. You just say, hey, I'm number one. I'm number one for the UFC. Who UFC? Give me their. Give me your best. If you th you think Bilal is the best. I will beat him. You think Shopcott's the best? I will beat him. You think X is the best? I will beat them. That's all he actually. That's all he has to say. Imagine if he had just said that. How that's, that's, that's so simple. Like, I'm the best Walter way in the world. <laughs> Bring him. I will prove it again and again and again and again. Dude, that's all you got to do. You don't even have to say Bilal's name. You know, it's just I don't know. Sorry. Or <laughs> or you or you could just be completely honest and at least like. People won't love this, but at least you'll get some sort of reaction, care or don't care, from the people. Because mm -hmm. all of this screams to me two things. One, you want to make money. You want money fights, but you're just not coming out and actively saying it. Just say like, look, Conor McGregor's probably going to come back and fight Michael Chandler. And you best believe 
that if Connor goes out and dusts Michael Chandler and he calls for a welterweight title shot, it ain't Bilal, it ain't Shafkat, it's going to be Connor McGregor getting that title shot. And Leon, there's probably a big part of him that hopes that is the case because that is the biggest fight he could possibly get. It's the most amount of money he can possibly get. So I get that. You want to come out and say that? Cool. Like people might roll their eyes a little bit, but at least you're being honest. Yeah. The other, the other one is if Ian Gary goes out and busts up Jeff Neal in March in Miami, there's a world where there's enough momentum his way, whether you love him or hate him, where that's a big fight too, especially if they go back to Manchester or go to the UK with that fight. Like that's a massive fight. That does pretty decent on pay-per-view. And again, the fact that they are probably going to the UK for Leon's next fight means the opponent doesn't really matter. He That building's going to sell out. If you throw Leon, Bilal, Leon, whoever, and then Tom Aspinall in the co-main event, they're going to do bonkers business at that arena. We'll do tremendous on pay-per-view. Who the hell knows? But look, at the end of the day, you just got to be better at this. <laughs> you just got to be better at putting yourself over because Leon's a fascinating guy. Dude's been through a lot. Like, yes. Make that That's part of your story. Part, yeah. Yeah. He's got, he's, yeah. He, he's got an interesting story, but he's just not interesting, like an interesting character, if you will, when it comes to like self promotion. So I want to talk about Colby in a second, but real quick AK, magic $20 flies out of the sky. You pick it up, it tells you. Look, the only thing you can spend this $20 on is who you have to bet on who Leon Edwards is fighting next. Are you putting it on Bilal Muhammad or are you not so sure after hearing Leon and then Leon's coach and then even Dana White just not even being that guy who, by the way, after Leon beat Usman said, hey, Colby's next. The dude showed up, made weight. He's next no matter what. I don't care what happens along the way, which he didn't do with Bilal. I I, I am going to bet on Bilal. I am going to bet on Bilal. I think – They'll do the right thing uh, whether they want to or not. It just might just be the only option. We mentioned Shavkat is just kind of out of the picture for the next little while. Of course, he, he had uh, an ankle injury. Uh, going, was it ankle? Ankle? What was the, what was the injury he had? Ankle, right? Shavkat? Yeah. Yeah, sure. ankle, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, he's smart. He's, he said, give Bilal the shot, and when I come back, I'm getting my shot. I, get, I have time to rest in the sidelines. This is a logical time. Even he knows, right? So I will bet on it. Uh, again, McGregor would be too far away, even if he like somehow fights at UFC 200 and starts just Michael Chandler and is healthy enough to want to compete again and wants to fight uh, Leon Edwards for the welterweight title. If all those things come true, that's still not till like summer, third quarter of 2024. You never know with McGregor, right? So or 2025, who knows? So if you're Leon, you're not waiting for that. Um, I think it's got to be Bilal. It might even be, I don't know, they book someone else and they get injured and Bilal gets the shot. It could be a Jed Mishu. Uh, the UFC is always one injury away from doing the right thing situation. But I think the cards will line up and I will bet uh, $20 that he'll fight Bilal. And I think it was Casey, you raised it on another show, the best point that like they've never had someone weigh in uh, as the backup that they didn't at least consider someone who was going to fight for the title someday. People might argue Gamrot, but I think Gamrot is a top 10 guy and I think he will fight for the title someday or at least the UFC – if he doesn't, I think the UFC does see him as someone who could. Um, so that was a very good that was a very good endorsement for Bilal uh, that I hadn't thought of before. So safe bet twenty dollars. I do think Bilal's going to get it. You doing the same, Casey? Yeah, I think Bilal. I think Bilal's the guy. Um, yeah, I just don't understand why the I don't know why why we aren't why the UFC isn't going. This is the guy. I don't get it. I mean. We had the soundbite, the whole Colby, Colby weighed in. All, all, all Bilal needs to do is take that quote and just 
put a little marker, scratch out Colby's name and then put his name and like, boom, I'm, it's his fight. <laughs> I don't get it. You know, it's, it's right there for him. Um, right by the, yeah, it makes sense. I feel like, is this some kind of weird, is the UFC like, <laughs> are they out thinking us like by, by giving us a fight, by, by saying, by telling us we don't want the fight, we're going to want it more. Is this some weird thing? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Like, like for some just reason, I want it. this fight now because even though I don't want it, because I don't really just care anymore. Yeah, just look, do let it. These two guys fight. Just let him fight, and then Shafkat fights the winner when he comes back. Like that's it. Then we can move this division along. And I saw some people say like, "Well, Shafkat doesn't have a top five win. So what? He's got two top ten wins, and he finished both guys. What is what the is only- top five? What, what is the criteria? Top five win? That is that's not a criteria. The criteria yeah. that you. Islam Makachev didn't even have a top 10 win. But we knew, like, this guy's probably know, the best lightweight in the know. world. We, have, we have eyes. We have eyes. We know that this guy's ready. Yes. <laughs> yeah. at, at, some, at some point, you just have to pull the trigger, guys. There, there is no perfect challenger. You got to understand. I, mean, I shouldn't say that. There's probably been instances where, like, the timing worked out just perfectly and the number one contender, like, rightful guy got the shot. That's what happened a, a bunch of times. But often, as just as just as many times, there's not a perfect contender. If you look at again anyone's great title runs, like you'll find guys who you'll find title contenders who like who was their win before. I think I always bring up um, John Fitch is a great example. Like who was his win before uh, fighting GSP? It was like Chris Wilson. Most of you guys don't even know who Chris Wilson is. He was like a solid UFC guy, and John Fitch at that point had just won I think something like 16 straight fights or something. And that was just history, the last win. History forgets that. Yeah. Once you get the no, shot, yeah. and the fight happens. You just get the completely forgets. The, how the contender got that shot it's pretty mm-hmm. much forgotten yeah yeah we, we all want the cards to line up like perfectly and like oh like the hype just peak at the right time the way the ufc schedule is the way the rapid fire schedule 14 pay-per-views a year 40 something fight cards a year it's pretty much impossible to do that these days to like line it up perfectly so you know you're always gonna be able to find holes with every with every contender so on the colby side uh as i was watching on the watch party i said something to gc i got a little flack for it uh, it just seems like Colby was trying to hide something like that's what I felt like in the second and third round. I'm like, he's fine. Like a guy is hiding an injury. And I didn't know if it was like an injury that he suffered prior to the fight or in the fight. It just seemed like the aesthetics of it. And I'm not, I wasn't trying to make excuses for Colby because he signed the dotted line. He fought and he just was not competitive at all, but it just seemed like he was trying to hide and mask an injury. That's just what I saw at the time. And then even rewatching it, I'm like, yeah, it still kind of feels that way, but I'm not taking anything away from Leon at all. Colby's doing some media after this fight, AK. He went on Fox News. I'm not even going to touch that with the 10-foot pole because it was just trash with the interviewer like, hmm, let's look at this and look at this. I didn't watch the fight, Colby, but it looks like you won. What? What are you talking about? But Colby went on uh, with Patrick Bet David, the PBD pod, and he apparently walked in to that conversation with a boot on and then told PBD and the rest of the fellas broke his foot in the first 30 seconds of the fight through a high kick, hit Leon in the elbow and he broke his foot right away, knew that he broke his foot right away. And the reason for his performance was because he's basically fighting on one foot. If this turns out to be true, Colby did say he's going to release some x-rays. Does this change your perspective on the fight at all, AK? Does it change your perspective on Colby's performance? Or was the fallout of the fight, him saying that he got robbed because of Vegas judges and all of Vegas hates Trump, does, is that not enough to change your opinion on the performance, the fight, and the aftermath? It, it doesn't change it much. And and mostly because I don't believe any – like I 
anytime step, someone steps in that cage, one, I don't think they're anywhere at 100% health. I'm sure if you ask any fighter, they might tell you they had the best camp ever. They might tell you they felt all oh, fantastic in the locker room. But just what they put themselves through to prepare for a fight, I think at best they're at like 80% on fight night. And 80% of, a again, a, a high-level MMA fighter is, you know, better than the majority of the population. But it's still 80%. You're not healthy. If you agree to sign on and you get in there – you just can't use injuries as an excuse anymore. We, we didn't we didn't let TJ Dillashaw get away with it. That was crazy. And like right after he was like, oh yeah, I had a bad shoulder this whole time. And we were like, what? <laughs> so I don't do that performance any differently. It was bad in the moment. Probably made worse knowing he was injured. Uh, Colby, I don't know if it makes it worse. I won't say that because uh, I'm with you, Mike. And our Slack was all over. We were like, is Colby hurt? Like he looks so like say what you want about Leon's style it's a very strong style it's a very uh, neutralizing style even then you thought you would have seen more from Colby um and we've seen guys who we know were nursing injuries before or broke a hand or in this case again he says he tweaked something in his foot we've seen that in the past you know what that looks like that is what that looked like on fight nights so it's not an excuse again he got in there he continued to fight if his foot was broken his corner could have his corner could have ended the fight it made it look bad but Either way, he did the next four rounds. He was in there. You can't. I don't think you can judge it differently. I don't think you can say he would have necessarily. You definitely can't project and say he would have won the fight if his foot hadn't broken in the first round. There was a lot more wrong there than just an injury. Um, call it age. Call it a bad style of matchup. Call it just Leon just being way better than him. So it doesn't really change much for me. What do you think, Casey? Because if that's the case, you would think that Colby probably talked to somebody in the UFC brass. Maybe even talked to Dana when he got backstage and. May have told Dana, hey, I broke my foot in the first 30 seconds of the fight. But Dana didn't mention that at the press conference, said Colby looks slow and old. So if that if he broke his foot, you would think that Dana would know before going up to the press conference. Maybe, maybe Colby wasn't 100 percent sure, but he seems to think that he felt it early. But if it turns out you see x-rays, it's legit. Does this change your opinion? I saw your thumb go down really slow and dramatically. Absolutely not. It's it's a complete bullshit excuse. Um Okay, first of all, if you're going to break your foot in a fight, sell it. Like, walk to the press conference of a freaking limp. Their adrenaline's gone. That's like an, an – by the time Kobe came out to the press conference, that's an hour after the fight maybe, <clears throat> at least. You're going to have a limp. Your adrenaline's gone. I don't understand. Like, it was, it was so broken you still walked fine or you were faking it for the press. And, like, you had the, you had the post-fight press conference. You had the in-cage interview. You probably did – other interviews before he came to the post presser you knew your foot was broken then but you decided to come out with the excuse of oh all the judges were liberals that's why i lost and so wait three days later you go on some rando podcast ah it wasn't that it was because my foot was broken from the first kick i threw it didn't even, that's your fault that's on you you didn't come into the five injury you threw a stupid kick a naked kick and Leon blocked it properly. Boom! You kicked an elbow. Don't kick elbows. That's what you like. That's when you throw kicks. That's always a risk. You're gonna break. You go, if you kick an elbow, you kick a knee. That's gonna really hurt you. So that's all on you, Colby. If you broke it because um, Leon blocked it, like like I don't like what's Leon. Leon blocked your kick, so you broke your leg. You broke your foot. That's on you. You lost the fight. Then you're. It's not even an excuse. It doesn't make sense. That's that's, that's like saying I, I lost a fight because I got punched. You know, it's like the guy punched me, so I lost a fight. That's that's BS. I don't know. It's it's not it's not an excuse. I don't get it. That, well, <laughs> it, we'll, it, just, uh, it, it really annoys me. It really annoys me. <laughs> boy, the 
the most chaotic year in UFC, one of the most chaotic years in UFC history kind of ends mm. like this. And it's, uh, I don't know, the lot, the, the last impression wasn't great, but let's be fair. The first impression of 2023 wasn't great either. Um, but in, everything sandwiched in between the New Year's oh, yeah. Eve incident and <laughs> I was like, everything that happened with Phil Baroni <laughs> and all this other crap, like so much happened along the way. And, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to kind of talk about right now. So that's UFC 296. Look, we have reacted to this card and all the storylines all over the freaking place from the MMA hour to our post-fight show to heck of a morning. So the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's have some fun here. Let's talk about, it's award season now. The final UFC event is in the books. It is officially award season, so... I think we're going to start dropping our awards Monday. I think that's when the first one drops. We're going to have an award show as well. Uh, so stay tuned for that. So you'll see how this all plays out. But we want to be open and honest with you. We don't want to just flub together a bunch of things. Uh, this is a very meticulous way that we go through these awards. Everyone goes through their top fives. We add up a point total and that's who wins. No matter whether you like it or not, that's who wins. So I figured like we do have done the last few years, We'll go through our top fives. We'll preview the awards, gentlemen. Are you excited for this? Are you ready to do this? Woo-hoo. Yes, I'm, I love I'm, it. I'm scared Woo-hoo. to be judged. Well, it's just the way that it is. Um, I'm glad the other guys aren't here. I'm glad it's just you two, my, <laughs> my, two, my two best friends. 
Oh, now, now, now I'm very excited. I've not looked at everybody else's voting, uh, but we'll reveal them right now. So we're going to start with rookie of the year. All right. Rookie of the year is one of the awards that we give out. It is for a fighter who signed with a major organization into and had their first fight within that organization in 2023. And did they break through? How did it go? Et cetera, et cetera. So AK, let's begin with you. Start from number five, go to number one. Who are your rookie of the year nominees slash top fivers? All right. Uh, do you want me to break them down as I go along here, Mike, or just read them all out first and then you may do break it down after? You could do a brief little breakdown of each if you'd like. Okay. Some of them, some of them might need a quick explanation. All right. Uh, I went with, it's not a splashy looking list, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. So I went with number five, uh, featherweight Mohammed Naimov, who well, he's a featherweight now, but he actually made his debut earlier this month against Jamie Malarkey, takes him out second round TKO and then beats a uh, very tough Nathaniel Wood at UFC 294. So I think he's a little bit under the radar, uh, mainly because even before the UFC, he's not like some huge prospect that joined the UFC. He's just kind of, uh, just hasn't been around that long. He hasn't been around that long. So he, made, but he made a big splash for me. Uh, Jesus Pinedo in the PFL. I forgot he was eligible for rookie because really you could have made a case for him for also fighter of the year. Uh, he was the PFL's featherweight uh, cha- tournament champion. Uh, beats Bubba Jenkins. Beats Brendan Lochnane. Takes out so two of the top guns in the PFL. And then uh, he did lose earlier this year. He did lose the end of the year to the guy who would eventually beat in the PFL tournament final to win a million dollars. So that's not a bad debut in a major organization. So Jesus Pinedo, congrats to you, sir. Number three, probably controversial, had to go Cedric Dumbe. Uh, again, not a guy with a lot of UFC experience. We're going PFL again, but one of the most talked about debuts for sure. Uh, and a guy who has, if I'll, I'll tell you right now, to spoil my top two, my, my list does not have Bo Nickel. And I think my case would be, uh, I, I guess I see Cedric as having, I don't want to say higher upside, but you know, kickboxing just being a little more uh, tangentially related to MMA. I don't know. It's not a great explanation, uh, but I did think that Dumbay's debut was just made a bigger impact. Maybe that's what I'm saying. Maybe made a bigger impact. I'll probably kick myself in a year when Bo Nickel's fighting for the middleweight title. But I thought uh, Dumbay was one of the biggest stories of 2023, as was Bo Nickel, but I, he didn't make my list. Uh, Diego Lopes, number two. Lopes, Lopez, Diego Lopez. Number two, uh, I don't know what you have more you can say about this guy. Great fight with uh, Evloyev, didn't win, but looked fantastic in his debut. Came into the UFC with a ton of experience. He's a rookie, really, a name only. Uh, he's a UFC rookie, uh, but he has a lot of experience. He's a guy who's ready to be a top 15 guy right away. Picked up two wins after that. Also did some great coaching on the year. But number one, it's not a sexy pick, but this guy, you talk about coming out of nowhere. I had to go with uh, Elvis Brenner. Um, I hey, listen. Maybe you guys are smarter than I am, and you people have been on the Elvis Brenner train for years or something. And I'm late to the wagon, but he comes in and beats Tukov. I think it was on short notice and split decision win over Zabara Tukov. Crazy. Uh, takes out Grom Kutatlatse and then gets kind of not a layup but an easier win to close out his year. But takes care of business. First round knockout of Kanan Kanan uh, Kushevsky. So. I thought Brenner, he's just chaos, and he brought chaos to this year. And again, what we said is a chaotic year. So I don't know if there's a more fitting pick for uh, the 2023 uh, rookie choice because 
again, I, I don't know what to expect from this guy. You could you could convince me that he's going to be a top 10 guy in uh, by summer. You could also convince me that he's on a two-fight losing streak and one fight away from being released. I have no idea, but I'm just very, very excited to find out what's uh, what's next for Elvis Brenner. So just to make life easier, uh, I have four of the same five guys. Okay. Uh, I have Brenner at four, Dumbay at three, Bo Nickel at – oh, no, I have Bo Nickel at two. Mm. Because, I mean, dude, so much friggin' buzz around that guy. Uh, Diego Lopez is my number one. Okay. Because even with a loss, him going in on less than a week's notice and giving Mavzar of Loy of Hell, who is maybe a win away from fighting for a title, was super duper impressive. And then my number five was uh, was Ikram Alaskarov. This guy is going to fight for the title. He is a terror. And it's unfortunate that his opposition wasn't spectacular, but at least he treated them accordingly. Doing what he did, Worley Alves and Phil Haas. Uh, they booked him to fight Paulo Costa in July. They announced the fight and everything. Never came to fruition, but now he's going to fight Anthony Hernandez. And you would expect if he goes out and beats Fluffy, then he's got a big fight on the horizon. That dude's a problem. So, yep, Lopez, Nickel, Dumbe, Brenner, Alaskarov, my top five from one to five. Casey, uh, are you on the same wavelength or do you have a different list? Uh, mine, <clears throat> excuse me, mine's very similar to yours. Um, a little different though. Uh, my number five is um, Nazim Sadik. Uh, how do you say his name? Sadikov. Sadikov. I like that. Sadikov. Yeah, Sadikov. he was almost he, on the list. Almost. Yeah, there. he went. Uh, he went two and uh, two wins and one draw this year. Uh, two stoppages. Came super close to finishing um, Slava Claus, and um, we'll talk about that fight later because I absolutely it's love that fight. fight. But um, he really impressed me. Uh, although he can but under the radar, like I kind of had to look at the stats, like, oh, he, he's had a really good year. Like it, it, it really snuck up on me. Uh, number four, uh, Cedric Dumbe, for obvious reasons, only one fight. But I'm kind of bringing in his his um, the impact he brought to the sport. Rookie of the year is kind of is a weird category, so I'm kind of counting what you do in the cage and also your impact you brought to the sport. So for Dumbe, it's more of the impact he brought to the sport and potential kind of, you know, he's a main eventer, you know, for who knows how long, but um, it's very exciting. Um, number three, uh, Ikram Alaskarov. Dude, the guy is scary. And um, <laughs> I think he's a, I think he's going to be a top 10 fighter for many years. And we're going to be saying his name a lot. Uh, number two, um, I think people forgot about him because <clears throat> in the last kind of quarter of the year, we didn't really talk about him too much, but Bo Nickel is a number two rookie of the year. And number one, Diego Lopez. Fabulous. There you go. The guy, Solid um, <clears throat> guy blew me away. Guy, guy blew me away. Uh, I don't like, like guys like Nickel, Alaskarov. I can see them fighting for the title. I don't actually see Diego Lopez fighting for the title, but it doesn't, I don't care. He's just an extremely exciting fighter with a great personality and a wonderful haircut. And um, I just, I'm, a, I, he's must see TV. So that's why I have him at my number one rookie of the year. Love that. Good list. Good list, gentlemen. Hopefully, there's not too many people being super judgmental in the comments yeah. so good well uh, never 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 good crop <laughs> pretty good crop of rookies i did uh, i joked guys i joked in the um in our comments that like there's not a lot of except i think boat is bo nickel the only american who made our shortlist my list at least 
Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm looking. We, we, so we did obviously a short list just to make things easier for everyone. So some of the names on there, guys, that didn't everyone uh, we just read a list. Everyone we named, yeah, Bo Nichols, one we named. Uh, some other names like Vitor Petrino, Brazilian, um, Steve Erseg, Australia. <clears throat> oh yeah, Matush, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Matusz Rebeski, uh, Poland. So a lot of g- good rookies for sure, uh, but not not that many Americans. So also um, no no women. Made our, I mean, I was, I was no, not our to, top five. I was trying to, I was looking, I was like, man, I, I can't find any top women fighters that kind of broke big this year. If Natty Ice, if Natty Ice debuted like a month oh. later, she would have made the list. Yes. It happens like weird time. Like they debuted like in November or something. So yeah. Like, yeah. Can, yeah. It's a lot of, <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. I get it. Natty Ice, I almost, I almost put her on there anyways anyway, because yeah. it was just a month, but she would, <laughs> yeah. she would have absolutely, she might have been number one. She was that good. Yeah. But she would have definitely made my top five had she just pushed back that debut a month. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's that's Rookie of the Year. Pretty solid list right there. Let's go to Fight of the Year. Fight of the Year. Casey, I'll start with you because you teased the Slava Claus nazim Sadikov fight. And I will say, had a fight not recently happened, that would have been on my list as well. But it didn't make mine. Let's run off five to one. Okay. Fight of the Year. Yeah. My fight of the years are number five, brand new to the list. Congratulations. Um, Arena Donna versus Carol Hosa. Um, just an awesome fight. Just, you saw it. It's very fresh in our memory. Just like, I think if, I, some, I'm, I'm very weird about fight of the year. Sometimes I'm like, the fight has to have heavy stakes, you know, high, high stakes and, you know, drama. But the reason I kind of like this fight is, is because it was a mid-card fight. We did a bunch of preview shows. I think we talked about this fight for maybe four seconds on all these preview shows coming into the, <laughs> that event. Um, and it turns out it was just like this, just an awesome, just an awesome, like true fight. Like, I mean, you know, there's mixed martial arts and there's fights. This felt like a fight. Um, so I love that fight. And um, I'm obviously, I'm obviously, I'm a big fan of Ariana Donna. I was kind of bummed about her performance against Nunes. So I'm glad we kind of, Got to a reminder on how awesome she is and what an exciting fighter she is. Um, number four, um, this might be, I don't know. I, I put Mahachev versus uh, Volkanovski one at, for, at UFC 284. Um, just high stakes, lots of drama. Um, may, may, mainly I'm putting this fight because of the high stakes and how close the fight was. Not necessarily because it was like, to me a very like, oh, this guy almost got finished or anything like that, like crazy comebacks, but just a high, super high level fight that delivered. Uh, number three, uh, Shafkot versus Jeff Neal, just because that fight was nuts. <laughs> Watch it. Number two, uh, from UFC 295, a fight also much like Adana Rosa, no one talks about coming into. Nazim, I got it. I got it. I got it. Sidekoff. Sidekoff. And yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to go Slava Claus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to work on that name. Um, that fight just ruled. And I like that fight because it was a very rarely do we see like a true perfect draw. And this was like the perfect draw where like a true guy getting his butt kicked and then coming back and getting that 10 8 round to tie it up and, uh, and with, with a. 20 28 28 i think the final score um so uh i just love that fight and but number one because the fight had everything a finish high stakes drama championship on uh pantoja versus moreno at ufc 290 for my number one fight of the year i love that list ak what you got 
Uh, should I, you, do you want me to go from the bottom up again? Yeah, I mean, I'll, 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 sure spoil it now. I'll spoil it now. I got the same number one. I got so now I got the same number one. Oh, okay. But I will, All right. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go from the bottom and build back up. Um, uh, Dan Hooker, Jalen Turner, really great fight. Just one of those fights where. You know, it seems to have a pretty obvious narrative where Jalen Turner's the guy coming up and Dan and Dan Hooker, uh, he was coming off a win, but we still get the sense like, okay, you know, this is his role now is to be the litmus test. Um, and in this case, he was a super tough test for Jalen Turner because uh, the fight builds up. It takes a little bit of time to ramp up, but once it does, boy, I mean, the guys are just smashing each other. A lot of damage done in this fight. And I still think there's m- massive things ahead for Jalen Turner. He just he came out on the wrong end of a split decision here. Um, but it was nice to see Dan Hooker be able to kind of reach down. He's always had a reputation for toughness and to be able to reach down and survive some scary moments and come back and and, uh, and get that win. So I love that. Number four, uh, ultimate fighter, never die. Tough 31, Kurt Holobaugh versus Jason Knight. J- Casey, you were there with me. You were there. Uh, this fight is the rare instance where... I'll, I'll, I'll be one to say that um, uh, fights in the Apex and fights that are pre-taped, it's hard to kind of capture the magic of like a live fight in an arena. But this was the perfect setting for this fight. One, because uh, in the Apex, you could hear just these these two smacking each other with punches and kicks for 15 straight minutes. And two, it was it was uh, pre-taped. So they could even, the, I think the production team could beef up the sound a little bit, really get that smack in there. Um, so it came off, it came off great. If you guys haven't watched that fight, please find a way to watch, watch Kurt Hollibaugh and Jason Knight. We used the phrase nonstop action a lot. This was literally, I don't think they stopped punching each other for 15 minutes. It was just combinations, just smacking each other. It's such a good fight. And uh, Ultimate Fighter, obviously is the best show ever. And were I not, uh, were I allowed, I would have made that fight number one, but I think someone would have killed me. Um, Top three, all all big money fights. Grasso, Shevchenko, two. Uh, Makachev, Volkanovsky, one. And uh, Pantoja, Moreno. So Pantoja, Moreno at top. Uh, Casey, did you have Grasso, Shevchenko on your list? I ended up not putting it on my list for okay. best fight of the year. Okay, I have it on the list for other things, but not for best fight of the year. All right. I won't go too far into it because I think I'll have to talk about it more later, at least especially the scoring. But it's just a brilliantly competitive fight as I was watching it again. It actually reminded me a little bit of an, uh, a previous fight of the year winner, the Glover Teixeira, Yuri Prohashka fight. Not quite as sloppy, but the same kind of roller coaster, like back and forth. Uh, it didn't end with uh, – it didn't have an insane ending like a, a striking specialist submitting – the maybe the best grappler in his division uh but it still certainly had no shortage of drama by the end of course when the cars were red so i love that fight so much so that was my number three and then uh makachev Volkanovsky won and, and pentosia marino which um again the number one pentosia marino uh skill level action drama i uh, changing of the storyline right pentosia had beaten him two times before that fight the promise of a fourth fight i think uh it has everything i love that fight i love that fight I love that you put an exhibition fight on there. A fight that didn't even count. Uh, it was on the Ultimate Fighter. Excuse, what did? What are we? What did I just say? <laughs> what did I just say? Dude, so I'm, on I'm, my yeah. on my top ten, AK, I had Jason Knight on there not once, but twice. Oh, my top ten. Yeah, my top ten. Holobo is on there, and Jason Knight, Randy Costa at Gamebred uh, FC. Yes. Uh, was in, was my number 10 fight of the year. Uh, but none of them made the top five. Uh, number five, UFC 286, the co-main event. Uh, best division in the sport. And this fight was really, really good. If you haven't gone back and watched in a while, 
Highly recommended. It. It's super fun. Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Fazeev. Incredible fight. Really, really good. Gaethje digs down deep and gets the win. Number four, Rini Aldana versus Carol Hosa. Number four. Well done. Rachmanov Neil, number three. Pantoja Moreno was my number two pick. It was super close. A lot of flipping back and forth, but in the end, I, I ultimately went with Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky one, mostly because between February and October, anytime Islam was mentioned, so was Volk. Anytime Volk was mentioned, so was Islam. Just the, the longstanding ramifications that that fight brought to us from a talking points perspective there was no other fight that did that, that had such a long hangover and aftermath. And it just took a first round short notice head kick in October in the rematch to actually ice that conversation altogether. So I went with this on Volk for the stakes, the build, and then the fallout that lasted many, many, many months. It was probably the most impactful fight of the year, if we're being honest. So all things considered, that one squeaks it out, but no wrong way. I mean, if you want to say Pantoja Moreno's fight of the year, I got no issue with that whatsoever. So another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go to the submission of the year. A lot of great options here, both in and out of the octagon. So I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I will go number five from UFC Las Vegas, not UFC Vegas, UFC Las Vegas, the one Vegas non-pay-per-view card that took place outside of the apex because the UFC was like, nah, dude, we're doing power slapping here. So we're going to boot you out to this which I loved. That was the one headlined by Murad Dwalishwili and Peter Jan. Uh, same division, Davy Grant submitting Rafael Asuncao, retiring him. That was uh, pretty nasty, inverted stuff from Davy Grant. Really incredible stuff. So that is my number five. Uh, inverted over Plato alert, guys. Louis, Gl- Louis Glisman uh, submitting Melvin Van uh, Sidem. Uh, Octagon MMA, inverted omoplata. That is my number four. Number three, look, is this the most aesthetically pleasing submission of all time? No, but it's one that we talked about quite a bit. Uh, John Jones versus Cyril God. He becomes the heavyweight champion, made it look easy. He's a nasty little, uh, little guillotine choke. And speaking of UFC 285, that's where we're ending the list as well. Number two, Shafkat Rachmanov versus Jeff Neal, also from UFC 285 with the standing rear naked choke slash bully choke that was incredible ending just a wild fight and obviously i don't know how you can go any other different way here uh the number one submission of the year 
Alexa Grasso submitting Valentina Shevchenko in the co-main event of UFC 285 to win the women's flyweight title. Out of nowhere, massive underdog. Just a moment we talked about, and uh, one of the most memorable moments of the year because during the watch party, we watched Jed Mishu's bank account go to zero because oh. of that moment. So, yes, Alexa Grasso, submission of the year winner for me. AK, is it a similar list for you? Definitely some. Were those all, those top three were all 285? All 285. Uh, the Rachmanov Neil one? Yep. That was 285. Yeah. Well. That's a great card. It was a that's really a good, good card. Really, I, remember, I remember us all having like a, a big, not a, I guess a smile because there was so much to talk about after the card. I mean, that was a good, that was a good night. That was a good night. Um, yeah. Uh, so definitely some similar ones. So my number five, I'm with Karine Silva and Ketlin Souza. This one was just super nasty, like a super nasty leg lock. And it disturbed me when it happened. I actually think I avoided it the night of, and I somehow ended up watching it later. And I was like, why did I, why did I watch this clip? And that just haunts me. So normally this is where I tell people, oh, make sure you go out and find this submission. No, if you didn't see it, I don't watch it. Don't watch it. It's a horrible scene. It's not like super graphic. It's just when you see it happen, you know when the leg popped and you know how badly Ketlin Souza is hurt. And it's not a fun thing to think about. Uh, number four, uh, same with you, uh, my best friend, Gl- uh, Glissman and Van Sydam. You guys can find that clip online, uh, six submission. Uh, three, Rachmanov Neil. Two, I got to show some love to my people. Know I write Miss Fists, you know, collection of regional and international highlights on MMAfighting.com, great website. So I would be remiss if I didn't shine the spotlight on one of these more uh, obscure finishes. So I went with, uh, and I, I've got to get these names right, uh, Aktor Batirbek versus Shakzad Zhirakulov uh, at Octagon 46. Again, an event I know you all watched. I don't know why I'm saying it like this. Um, but he hits him with like, a, I thought it was a Sulawev stretch variation. According to topology, it's a triangle choke. So it's a triangle choke like Sulawev stretch combination. So if you can envision that, uh, great. Then you know how sick this is. If you can't, you have to seek it out and you'll you'll be mis- mystified as I was at this um, rare, probably once in a lifetime maneuver. And then uh, number one, Grasso Shevchenko. <laughs> Nothing else needs to be said. Great, great submission. Great moment. Um, that's uh, That's number one. Casey? What's your list look like? My list is <clears throat> number five, uh, Tatiana Suarez's uh, Armin Guillotine over Jessica Andrade. Um, just, uh, I, I, I'm actually watching it right now. Just technically, a, just a just a great submission. Technically, she like she went for the Dars first, and then Andrade defended the Dars perfectly, which opened her up for the uh, the Armin Guillotine. It was just just uh, just. Like, this is stuff I wish I could do in the mats. I look at it, I'm like, God dang, so good. Uh, number four, um, Shafkat Rachmanov, um, standing bulldog choke over Jeff Neal. Just a, just, that was just brutal. I don't even know if you really trained that. You just kind of see ahead. I'm just going to squeeze your head off. That's just one of those things. Like, you you don't need, like, it's not, it's almost the opposite of the, what I previously said about Suarez, Andrade, were like, oh, that's so highly technical. Just, I'm just going to squeeze your head so hard. Man, I just love that. Um, number three, uh, Karini Silva with the, I guess, kind of hill hook over Souza. Mm. Um, yeah. Just nasty, nasty, <sighs> nasty, nasty, nasty stuff. Um, that's all. I, I, I kept watching it. And you can, how you can see Souza's knee go like, bloop. Like, ugh. Ugh. Casey, stop. <laughs> stop it, Casey. <laughs> yeah, just so ugh. brutal. So brutal. Um, 
And number two, um, just because of the high stakes of the event and the storyline, John Jones um, over Cyril, uh, submitting Cyril Gaon. And number one's pretty easy. Uh, Alexa Grasso with the rear naked choke. Was it a crank or was it a rear naked choke? I'm not. I'm, not, I'm still not 100% sure. But over it was uh, officially Bannon, stated as a rear naked choke. choke. I, I almost think it's a crank. Because, I, only, I only thought it was a crank because when they re, when she releases it, there's that like just that that imprint of um, uh, Grasso's hands across Shevchenko's uh, jawline. So either way, um, it doesn't matter. Uh, just a great submission, just powerful out of nowhere. Great comeback. Great. Just all-time submission. Alexa Grasso over Valentina Shevchenko is my number one submission of 2023. All right. So w- we all had Shavkat, Jeff Neal. Was that the only one we all three of us had, I think? And Grasso. Oh, and, and Grasso Shevchenko. And Grasso Shevchenko, obviously, outside of the number one. I, I just want no, to add one more note. No, you didn't, oh, you didn't have John Jones in yours? I did not. Oh, you didn't? Okay. He's a coward who doesn't want to fight Tom Aspinall. He's not making my list. Um, <laughs> Shevchenko. Hashtag gaslight. John Jones. Your bit. That's I am. It's not a bit. That's reality. Jed Mishu. Hashtag gaslight. John Jones. I'm glad we all had the shotgun one because the one thing that I hate is people say, saying, um, "Oh, he was kind of exposed in this Jeff Neal fight. Like, he got hit a lot." And I'm like, if you just like, and yeah, and you shouldn't just take the finish. It's true. There were moments that like, sort you know, certainly showed some weaknesses. What shotgun needs to work on, whatever. But like, if that's the fight that he was quote unquote exposed in this fight where he's just like grabbing a dude's head on like the standing up and just choking the life out of him. That's oh he was exposed in that fight. Like that shows you how good this guy is. Like that. He won both <laughs> rounds. He won the first and second <laughs> he round. Got hit a few times. I oh, guess. I, like, see, I, I see it as a guy like likes to have fun. And Jeff's That's good. Like, and likes to finish. <laughs> and Jeff hits hard. He hits when, hard. He's he hits hard. Jeff hitters. dominated Bilal Muhammad. Like he dominated Bilal Muhammad. That fight was not close. He beat Bilal. Shot. Shavkat is number three in our uh, divisional rankings right now. And I see a lot of comments across social media um, saying like, how is he so high if he hasn't beaten this person, this person, this person? It's like when you finish – when you you finish fights, it adds a little extra sauce to you, at least as far as how we can project you. Because beating Jeff Neal by decision would have been great. Amazing win, great win. Finishing him, going that extra mile to finish and leave no doubt about it, that, boy, that is what takes you to another level in my eyes. Again, people can disagree, but I like a finisher. Decisions are good. Love GSP, one of the best decisionators of all time, but I like finishes too. Yeah. It's very rare to finish Wonderboy Thompson. Only Anthony mm, Pettis had done it before. No one and had ever no submitted, one him. submitted him. No one had ever submitted him. Never. And Shafgat did it. With relative ease, by the way. Mm-hmm. So this guy's this guy's going to be a problem. He's going to fight for the belt, and he's probably going to win the belt when he does. So let's go to KO of the year. I don't think we're going to see Shafkat's name on this one, but a lot of uh, very good knockouts this year. A ton of them, actually. This is a hard one. This was a this is a hard one to actually land on because there were so many really good knockouts. AK, we'll start with you. Top five okay. knockouts, go five five to one. All right, let's start with me. Uh, number five, uh, Gaith G. Poirier. It, uh, probably I have this too low. Uh, I, I bet this is at least top three on most people's lists. I mean, two of the best, most exciting lightweights of all time, two of the best knockout artists in the, in MMA, and then one guy just head kicks the other. It's what's not to love. It's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal finish. So it could be higher. Uh, number four, oh, I should get – I forgot the other guy's name now. But um, Chihiro Suzuki – uh, versus who did he, who did he beat? Um, Vugar Karamov. 
Karimov. Bugar Karimov. It's a crazy knockout from bottom position. It's it's it, it's not just and he, he he lands an up kick and it's not just the up kicks. It's like he up kicks him and then cracks him with a whole bunch of other stuff before the guy is just finally out unconscious. It wasn't even Suzuki's biggest win of the year. I mean, it's his win over uh, Patricio Pitbull kind of flew under the radar. That's like one of the bigger upsets, probably the biggest upset of 2023. Uh, but as far as just aesthetics, the knockout of Karamov is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, number three, again, maybe too low. Maybe too low. We just saw this, Josh Emmett and Bryce Mitchell. Uh, maybe I'm being a soy boy. I'm a little too soft. The convulsing after might have turned me off. But there's no arguing with that one punch shot. I mean, uh, I think the other aspect of it was I was concerned about the matchup as soon as it was made because I'm like, Chris Mitchell doesn't really have great striking and Josh Emmett doesn't lose to grappling specialists. Um, he not, it's not like he has amazing takedown defense, but if you look at his losses, he only loses to other strikers, which was not Bryce Mitchell. So I thought Bryce Mitchell was in trouble. I had no idea how much trouble he was in and we kind of saw and it was uh, scary and definitely memorable. Uh, number two, again, I went another one, aesthetics. No, no real big stakes here, but Christoph Glovaki versus Patrick uh, Tolkajewski. Um, this is the the uh, uh, punt knockout, again, from bottom. Maybe guys knock each other from bottom is my thing this year. But he was fully mounted. Uh, Glowaki was fully mounted and knocks out the guy on top of him. Yeah, it's probably low-level MMA. This is in KSW, by the way, again, which has some great fights and also still has some freak show fights. So this is probably like a weird freak show type thing. I understand. It's not making anyone's top technique of the year. Um, but I just have never seen someone get knocked out in mount uh, in mount position before. It was bizarre. Uh, number one, not much explanation needed, and I'm sure I'll be on your guys' list too, so you guys can elaborate more if you want to. But Ezra um, Disanya, the revenge knockout of Alex Pereira, the moment, the celebration, uh, what it meant for Izzy and his career, uh, unforgettable and aesthetically very pleasing as well. Casey, what's your list look like? Is it vastly different from AK's? Uh, not vastly different, but I think we had different ways to get there. At least, um, at least our, I guess our criteria for for me KO the year. Um, essentially, all unless it's an important fight, there's so many amazing KOs all year that I can't just put every random LFA. Oh my god, this guy did a spinning heel hook off the off the light post. You know, knocked him out. You know, <laughs> so. Uh, um, so everything's kind of important fights. The only one that's kind of just a normal fight. I'm I'm going very recent. Number five, Josh Emmett murdering uh, Bryce Mitchell with one punch. Um, just one of the hardest single shot punch punch knockouts I've ever seen in mixed martial arts at a at a decently high level. So that was just unreal. Uh, number four. Um, because of the significance to his career and emotionally what it hit us. Robbie Lawler knocking out Nico Price. Um, just, wow, you were there. We all saw it. We all we had little tears of violence going, oh, wow. Robbie murdered a man on his final walk. Oh, yeah, it was great. Number three, uh, uh, I love this knockout because it meant so much to his career and the high stakes of it and the million-dollar paycheck I think he got from it. Patchy Mix with a the submission specialist patchy mix with a step in knee knocking out rufon rufion stotts just out cold wow uh number two uh in the main event in ryzen for the featherweight championship um ak mentioned this earlier uh chihiro suzuki uh knocking out from the bottom karamov um 
just an incredibly unique knockout from his back, up kick, knocks him out. But that we've seen that before. But what made it what made it so extra unique is that the ref wasn't even sure what happened. And honestly, if you're watching real time, you can't really tell. It looks like he got hit, kind of rocked. Um, his opponent falls into Suzuki's guard, and Suzuki lands, I think, 18 unanswered shots to oh, Karmov from, crazy, dude. from his guard. I've never seen anything like that before. And like, pop, 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 pop. it was just wild to watch. Please look for it. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable knockout between two high-level featherweights and a very high-stakes fight to uh, the main event in uh, Ryzen for their championship. But number one, where'd it go? Um, ah, it's easy. For me, uh, Izzy knocking out uh, Alex Pereira um, to regain his middleweight belt. Um, we've seen knockouts before. That was just the storyline, the... The storyline, the celebration, the the violence of it, the technique, it had everything. It was to me unquestionably the knockout of the year. Yep, that's mine as well, Adesanya Pereira. I I gave uh, Josh Emmett number two on my list because I mean, any other year that that's probably winning. Any other year that's probably winning. So, uh, Josh Emmett number two against Bryce Mitchell. Uh, I went Robbie Lawler, Nico Price, number three, for all the reasons you said, Casey. I went with Chihiro Suzuki versus Karamov, number four. On my top 10, Suzuki was in two spots in my top 10. The knockout of Patricio Pitbull was actually in my top 10 as well. Uh, that was a pretty brutal knockout. Number five, this was tough for... I probably spent three hours on this. For two hours and 57 minutes, it was Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier. But then after going through and watching the knockouts real quick one more time... That move to number six. Number five goes to Drakkar Close versus Joe Selecki. The slam KO right on his friggin' face. Knocked him just completely unconscious. And then, I mean, we just haven't seen one of those in so long. They're so rare. And then we find that we got another one to fight Langer. We got one of the next fight from Cody Brundage. But Mm -hmm. uh, this one was just nasty. The sound of Joe Selecki's face hitting that canvas was just nasty. So... Uh, I gave it to Jakar close, the number five spot, but yeah. it seems like Adesanya and Pereira is pretty solid pick there. But great, I love uh, the great, great, great kind of comeback moment for Jakar too, who like has just hasn't been able to stay healthy and, and really isn't known for highlight reel finishes. This is like, I think by far the biggest highlight reel finish of his UFC career. There's a lot, this is, there's quite a few decisions in there, not bad fights, just decisions. Mm-hmm. So I think he kind of gets lost in the shuffle of lightweight, but he's a, he could, he should get a ranking sometime this year with uh, one more big win, and that made a huge statement to close out twenty twenty three. That was awesome. Uh, but uh, you I, guys, I, both have, I've, ne- I've never seen good. a knockout like we've seen slam knockouts yeah, from submission was before. Weird. But, but, but in fact, I think it was from an arm bar and from the side. I've never seen a guy like <sighs> hit his head on the side and knock himself out cold. And uh, and if a high level submission specialist like Selecki too was um, good call. I, w- I was yeah. I was very close to putting that too number five too. I, I was very I- close. And we've all banged the side of our heads against something before. We've all banged our heads against something. We've all fallen, probably banged our heads. To see someone like do it in the middle of a fight like and forcefully drive someone else's head into that very, very hard canvas was that's, that's tough. It's tough to watch. It was, it was almost as bad as honest to me to watch, like almost as bad as the Emmett, like uh, uh, Mitchell knockout. It was crazy. Yeah, but, in uh, a different kind of way. I should warn you guys. I may, I may be disowned or fired by uh, Shaheen Al Shadi because he was very upset. I did not have the Lawler K on there. Uh, I don't think, he, <laughs> and I, don't, I I don't think he appreciated when he said, "How could you not put this on there?" And my only response was, "Sentimental pap." 
he did not i don't think he'd like that he's not uh, not happy about it well see now you now you never know how these awards are going to go so just because <laughs> we're saying what we're saying does not mean how things are going to go so uh-huh. yeah, uh, yeah. i think we have like six other people weighing in on this so this could be go a number of different ways so let's go to the fighter of the year gentlemen let's go to fighter of the year a lot of different ways i will say to me the top three were very obvious it was pretty clear the top the final two were tough for me it was a lot of switching out a lot of overthinking but i went a whole bunch of different directions really one and two could go two different ways i'm super curious to see how this all plays out but casey i'll start with you fighter of the year top five let's start with number five and go up to number one. Oh. <laughs> My, my might be it might be controversial I, I wasn't ready to start first all right uh, <laughs> number five um my five number five fighter of the year is tom aspinall number okay. four alexandra pantoja number three uh going four and oh this year larissa pacheco Ooh. number two With one of the biggest upsets in UFC history, Sean Strickland. And my number one fighter of the year is... <laughs> Patchy Mix. Whoa! All right. This is... I like it. All, I, this, it's a good list. Tell them, uh, Casey. All over the place. If this is Family Feud, I would have got three strikes for sure. Okay. Three strikes for sure. <laughs> Love it. Um... I'll go through mine. I do a patchy mix on my list. He is my number five. I have Tom Aspinall on my list. He's my number four. Number three, despite before all the awful post-fight stuff and just how bad he's been since this win, I did put Leon Edwards at number three. (laughs) Uh, Two title defenses. I don't even know if anybody else had two title defenses this year, right? I can't think of anybody else in the UFC. Uh, Grasso. (laughs) No, she well, won I mean, it. Two, two wins, though. Yeah, she yeah, won, won it and, it, and then yeah. had a draw. You, you said title, title defenses. defenses? <laughs> it's, a defense. it's a defense. Yeah, She didn't defend. Yeah. She won it and then defended it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Title fight wins. Yeah. Title fight wins. Man. Yeah, did anybody else defend a title twice this year in the UFC? So. Volk? Not Volk. Um, Isla? Oh, Isla. Yeah, Isla. Technically, yeah, Isla. Yeah, yeah, against, yeah. against Volk. You're right. Yes. You're right. Yeah. Uh, well, that leads me to Islam. He is, that's why he's my number two fighter of the year. Mm-hmm. Number one, I just couldn't go any other way. I said it right after UFC 293. It is the middleweight champion. It's Sean Strickland. I mean, I don't know how I can't pick him. This dude entered the year coming off a loss to Jared Cannonier. Steps in on short notice to fight Nasruddin Imovov at 205. Wins convincingly. Fights a boost Maga Madoff in July, runs him in round two, and then gets a title shot against Israel Adesanya, and he thumped up Israel Adesanya, thumped him up like nobody else has done in the UFC. Like, I know Jan has a win over him. I know Pereira had a fifth-round TKO over him in a fight that Izzy was winning heading into that final round, but pillar to post, bell to bell, this was the Sean Strickland show. The impact this guy made this year, this year encapsulates 
everything Sean Strickland is. This was the Sean Strickland year for the sport, and I just couldn't go any other way here. Sean Strickland is my fighter of the year. AK, what say you? Casey, did you have Islam? I did not have Islam. I did yeah. not have I did not really. Uh, I know. I know. Okay, good. So Casey I and I can, hey. share, can share the hateful comments in the YouTube's. So I'm not looking at the comments right now, but I'm sure people bring it on. Bring it on. That's right. Neither Casey nor I have MMA fighting's number one pound for pound fighter in the world. In the world on our list of. Uh, I guess we can we can explain that after. Let's go to who's on the list first. Uh, number five, I had to go to DDP. I almost didn't put him because I will tell you guys, of course, Strickland is on the list because I, I I was probably tried to keep this like one person per division. Not that that's what anyone, how anyone should make their list. That's kind of just how I was doing mine. Uh, but boy, DDP, his profile increased drastically during this year. Uh, and I just had to remind people, like people thought he, a lot of people were saying he had no chance against Robert Whitaker. In, in hindsight, now everyone's saying like, oh, it made sense. Look at this. Look at this. He always had a chance. I think even our own Jed Mishu, who was all in on wanting DDP to fight uh, Izzy, like just get the Izzy title shot right away, was like, I think he hated that he had to fight Whitaker. He, he's like, oh, what a waste. Whitaker's going to kill him. We just lost DDP versus Izzy. Little did we realize we'd lose DDP versus Izzy for other reasons, but that's how little a chance people were giving him. Even people who were fans of Drickus Duplessis were like, well, this is not good. He's going to get killed by Whitaker. And instead, he ran through Whitaker and now could be the middleweight champion within the next 12, uh, four weeks. Number four, Casey, I also had to go PFL, but I'm super biased and went with my fellow Canadian, Olivier Aubin Mercier. Uh, I'm giving him points for retiring after, which sounds stupid, but it's he's just written such a great second act for himself as an MMA fighter because he had some good wins in the UFC. Uh, he was ranked in the, by the UFC at some point, not in the top 10. I think his highest he got was maybe 13, 14. Um, and that was it. I mean, then after that, leaves the UFC, and we all kind of, I think a lot of fans kind of feel, oh, well, there's another Canadian guy who's not going to be the next GSP, he's not going to be the next Roy McDonald's, not going to be the next whatever. But he found his own way, and he apparently was perfectly suited to the PFL tournament format. Wins the million dollars last year, wins another million dollars this year, wins over Shane Burgos and Clay Collard, I think are very good. I rank them highly, plus his other two wins uh, during the season. So 4-0, gets the million, rides off into the sunset with his head held high. OAM, please stay retired, don't come back, because otherwise I may regret this vote, but my number four. Uh, number three, Alex Pereira, uh, becoming light heavyweight champion. It is strange that, yes, the man who was the number one knockout victim of the year is also one of my fighters of the year, but... Uh, I, I don't know what else to say about a guy who uh, became two division champion, whatever his 10th, 11th fight. It's just, it's crazy at this point. Number two, I don't know if anyone else even has them, has this person on their list. Uh, Alexa Grasso. I'm so high on Alexa Grasso's year. Should I talk about the fight now? Should I talk about the fight now? Because I think a lot of people, reasons people left her off was that they felt the second Shevchenko fight was scored wrongly which technically it was, but uh, if you watch the fight, it's very easy to make a case that Grasso won that fight. In the moment, I scored a 2-4-5 Grasso. I think anyone who scored it for Grasso, that's how they went with it. You had to. You couldn't give her one and three. One and three were Shevchenko rounds. Yeah, I scored it for Grasso too, regardless sure. of the score. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, what screwed up is that uh, one of the judges gave Shevchenko round four, and then I think to make up for it, I think because they felt that Grasso shouldn't lose the title, they gave her a 10-8 in round five, which again, I rewatched, I think is very unjustified. I don't know how you give Grasso um, a 10-8 in that round. So by the scoring, 
<clears throat> yes, but, but if it had been properly scored um, the way the judges were doing it, Shevchenko probably should have won a split decision. As it was, it was a split draw and Grasso retained. But in my opinion, I think Grasso won. I think a lot of people are okay with that. I would hope so anyway. So for me, at the very least, she went undefeated twice against the best flyweight that we've seen in MMA. Uh, the first upset was just thrilling. And the second fight is so awesome. And Grasso fought really well, whether you think she won or not. So that's my number two. And uh, number one, Sean Strickland, love him or hate him. You know, you can disagree with his opinions. I find most of his opinions pretty heinous. Most of his trash talk pretty dismal. But if we're talking about in cage, he did the damn thing, man. What what a performance against Israel Adesanya, in addition, of course, to the two wins he had before to land himself an unlikely title shot in the first place. And he goes into 2024. Uh, if he beats DDP, probably fights at least one or two more times. <laughs> we could be seeing him on the list again next year. Maybe not at number one, but maybe another top five appearance. And if you had told me this at the end of 2022, I would have said, what the hell are you talking about? We're never going to talk about Sean Strickland this much, but but here we are. And uh, and he earned it in the cage. What a world. Will Sean Strickland be MMA Fighting's 2023 Fighter of the Year? We will find out. We will see what happens. This is why award season, when you have this many panelists, who the hell knows what could happen? This is what makes it very exciting. So uh, we're about to wrap up here. Thank you, gentlemen, for your opening of the book so to speak uh next week we will not be on video uh jed and i will be podcast only next week we will do our annual uh promotional airing of grievances yes we will judge the ufc we will judge the pfl we will judge one maybe we'll give a final judging to bellator as well the good the bad the grades all of it uh it's it's one of my favorite shows to do and it's the show that I get the most shit from, uh, from people who work with instead promotions. So it's a, it's a good time. We're real. We're honest. That's how it is. Um, we'll have our award show. I think it's dropping on the 27th. I think our awards are going to start, uh, the articles anyways on Monday. And then, uh, that's it. I'm off like all of next week, starting tomorrow. So I'm going to get through tomorrow. We're going to do some last minute stuff with Jed for BTL. And then, uh, I'm off till 2024. So, for all of you guys who have been watching the show live every week, I really appreciate it. There's people within the media space that you want to see on the show. Let me know. I think I've done my best to get everybody you've asked for on the program. We got fucking Luke Thomas on MMA fighting this year. We got Luke <laughs> Thomas on MMA fighting this year. Uh, twice. Not once, but twice. So let me know who you guys want on, and we will do our best to get them on next year in case you can hit the music. Thank you all very, very much. Appreciate you. Hope you all have... A wonderful holiday season. Have a Merry Christmas if you celebrate. Have a Happy New Year if you're taking the rest of the year off as well. You guys are the best. For AK, for Casey, I am Mike Heck. Back in 2024, BTL Live on YouTube. Until then, thank you very much. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you home. Good night, everyone. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.